It's uh, Canuck Central special edition here on a Sunday. Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw. And uh, we just heard from uh, Bo Horvat, JT Miller, and Oliver Ekman Larson. Bo Horvat is uh, going to come by for an exclusive interview here in just a couple of moments. Um, a quick takeaway, uh, Sat, from uh, what we heard from those three players. Yeah, uh, nothing really surprising or unexpected from any of those players. Horvat gave a bit of an update on his injury, of course, tibia, and that it's a six to eight week injury, and that kind of aligns with something that we had talked about before when we heard about it, and that it would be a long time. So we've got a bit of a timeline on Bo's injury, and he's about to join us now here at table side at Rogers Arena. Yeah, Bo Horvat uh, just walking here by our uh, our makeshift studio at. Uh, at Rogers Arena, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw, now joined by uh, captain of your Vancouver Canucks, Bo Horvat. Uh, thanks for this, Bo. Uh, first off, uh, congratulations uh, on uh, on the new baby. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, my wife and I are really excited. Um, new baby girl into the world, so yeah, going to be a girl dad. It's is, nice. it, <laughs> is Gunner already super protective? Or um, I don't know. Gunner hasn't <laughs> met her yet. So okay. Um, you know, wife and baby are still in the hospital. Um, okay. Yeah, actually, I came right from there. I still got the bracelet yeah. on, so I got to go back and and pick them up here. Um, uh, hopefully, go home today. Uh, uh, did you get some grief for getting injured? So your wife has to take care of you and the baby now. Yeah, or it, it couldn't have been worse timing all around. Yeah. I mean, honestly, with um, you know getting injured and a playoff push, and then um, you know my wife being due any day, and then all of a sudden you yeah. know that happens. But uh, I'm able to kind of walk on it right now, which has been nice, and they still get to help out a little bit. Uh, how you feeling overall? Yeah, fine. Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, it has its days, and it's going to ache and uh, take time to heal. But um, as of right now, I'm feeling pretty good. And as far as like uh, recovery stuff that you, and rehab, I mean, what? How long a process does it kind of see? I know six to eight weeks, but the amount of work you got to put in does it seem like a long process that you have to start pretty soon? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to take at least uh, a couple of months to get yeah. at least back to normal-ish. Um, you know, it's it is what it is. I mean, you know, I've I've had a the foot injury um, uh, four or five years ago, mm-hmm. and that was kind of a long process. And they say this one isn't as bad as my other one. So, I mean, I was back playing in five weeks, so um, hopefully um, I'll be the same here. Well, and, you know, uh, now you mentioned that previous injury. What was really interesting about that was you actually got faster when you came back during the season because you had some time to work on it. And the amount of work you put in, it wasn't just to get healthy. You also put work in to get better when you came back to use that. So how much of that – Having gone through that, can you maybe apply this off season to not only get healthy but also help you throughout all that get a bit better too? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I think with anything, you can't be satisfied. You can't be satisfied with your game or, or um, you know, the way I played this season. Obviously, there were some there were some good things that I can take home um, and uh, hang my hat on this year. But I mean, at the same time, I want to get better. I want to. Mm-hmm. You know, come back a better player, a better person, a uh, better leader. And, again, it all starts with uh, training hard this summer, getting this foot back or the ankle back to, to normal and, and get training again. Obviously uh, a season, uh, almost a, a tale of two halves uh, in the way that it played out, but feels a lot more positive around the organization given the way the team finished. Yeah. No, I, I, no, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're, we're not happy that we missed the playoffs. I mean, that was our goal to set out that we set out at the beginning of the year. Um, I thought we had the team to do it. Not a lot changed uh, over the course of the year. It was just, I mean, a matter of us bearing down and, and um, you know, maybe changing a few things up on the special teams and, and um, you know, kind of running with it from there. I mean, we bought into our system. We bought into to how we had to play every single night. And, and um, you know, I think we can hang our hat on that a little bit at, uh, at, the, at the end of the day leading into next year. But 
I think uh, you know getting this close and 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 not being able to make it, I think should should leave a chip on our shoulder and, and have a fire that we want to come back and, and do it next year. Well, and you know it was obviously super challenging with how the beginning part of the season went for you guys, and you know you guys figured it out a bit later. But changes were made, of course. And yeah, I hear from you and other guys saying, well, there were some tweaks, but not these ma- major changes that people talk about. So what really? was the impetus for that change? You guys looked so different. Was it just the changes happening? Like, Was there a moment where things kind of turned? Because what everybody says, it was beyond just some of the coaching decisions and some of the tweaks that it just seemed like something switched when everything else changed. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I can't really put a finger on, on what it was or um, you know, what exactly made that switch and, and made us um, all of a sudden you know, go on that this this kind of run. But um, I just think that everybody in that room at the end of the day knew it was on us. It was on us why we, um, you know, why we weren't performing at the beginning of the year and why we were in the position that we were and, and why um, we were near the bottom of the league at that time. And, and I think we just had enough of it and knew we had a great team in our room and just kind of, you know, ever since uh, that kind of moment where, where things didn't change, you know, we took off. And I think um, – Again, we got, we got to start right from the beginning next year. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, before the uh, bubble playoffs, you know, the season was put on hold as you guys were going through the playoff chase and, and fighting with other teams. So, so you didn't get that full experience. Do you think growing through this playoff chase is is something a lot of you and, and the rest of your teammates can build off? Yeah, I mean, you know, we were in it right to the very end, and I think we can uh, look back and and. You know, it's, it was an emotional run, as is making the playoffs, you know, mm-hmm. at, at that time of the year. And, and that's what you want to be playing for. Um, I think we can look back and, and you know, really remember what it was like to, to be basically in Game 7 for the last month. Um, mm-hmm. that we had to win pretty much every game, and and we gave it everything we got. And I think, you, obviously, you need to do that throughout the course of the year, and especially when it comes down to, to March and at the end of the season where every game matters. And, um, you know, I think we are this learning experience this year is going to help us for next year. One of the things that kind of has been discussed by Boudreaux's mentioned, I know the players too, and also management, that the practice habits and the, as the season went on, obviously they went higher and higher, but they can improve and also the starting games off. And it seemed like as the season went on, even though you guys had some uneven starts, even when Boudreaux took over, that really got better towards the end. Was there a maturation that happened in that regard? Do you feel like you guys are closer to being better in practice, being prepared for games, and how do you get to that level ultimately still? Yeah, no, I think, uh, again, you know, we got to hold each other accountable and, and practice how we play. And I think, um, you know, when Bruce kind of took over, I think we kind of bought into that. Um, we worked on a lot of, you know, our systems and, and the way we defended and, and little things like that, which I think transferred in, into our uh, into our play in games, and um, you know our, our our working habits, our off ice habits, working out, and and you know being business like at the rink, and not just kind of going through the motions when we're here, especially on practice days and stuff. I, you know, practice how you play, it. and it's there's, it's an expression for a reason, and and I think we did that definitely down the stretch. Do you want to see uh, Bruce Boudreaux remain the head coach? There's a little bit of a uncertainty for now yeah you know i i mean obviously we love bruce and and you know the fans love bruce and uh, obviously <laughs> they they wouldn't there they uh they wouldn't be doing the bruce there this chance if they didn't love him so um you know he's an unbelievable person um he's a joy to be around around the rink and obviously our record speaks for itself how much do you guys tease him 
over the Bruce there. Yeah, yeah, we don't give him to it too bad, but he uh, he definitely doesn't like it as much as people think. So um, I was happy when Pods kind of exposed him there. Uh, yeah, and he said that was his favorite word in uh, in English. So uh, one 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 final thing, uh, you know, with with a new front office, there's obviously a wonder of of what changes may come and how they look at the roster and what they may want to do to tweak it. You know, how does that you know, factor in for you going into the off season. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, they obviously didn't do much, um, you know, at the trade deadline and stuff when they took over this year, just kind of, I'm just guessing, just seeing how it played out, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, expecting that they're, they might want to put their own swing on things, but, um, you know, I haven't had any uh, meetings or anything yet. So, um, looking forward to talking, talking through it with them. And I mean, for me, it's just doing the same thing I do every summer, work hard, come back in great shape and, and try to lead, um, you know, come training camp and and uh, yeah, we'll see what thing see what happens. Do you want to give it another try with the core of this team? Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean, I think we got a great core here. We got a great bunch of guys. We have a tight knit group, and um, you know, we we all want to we all want to be here. We all want to succeed here. Uh, not only for the next guy in the room, um, but for our fans, for our fan base, and and you know, they deserve a playoffs, and uh, and so do we. Bo, we wish you a speedy recovery and congratulations again. Thank you. Uh, there is uh, Captain Bo Horvat of uh, your Vancouver Canucks joining us here on Canucks Central. We'll take a break and uh, have more exclusives uh, coming up here on Canucks Central. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw, Canucks Central. It's um, it's been an interesting day, you know. Uh, I, I think you know one of the um, strange parts of today is just. Yes, this team didn't make the playoffs, but you're hearing a lot of positivity, Sat. Yeah, no, absolutely, and especially with how the team was able to close things off towards the end of the year, and, you know, you come so close to actually making the playoffs, and you see players get back to their ultimate potential again, and, yeah, it's not a surprise. The guys seem pretty fired up about coming back next year and hopefully having a better start. Uh, Let's welcome in uh, Canucks defenseman Tyler Myers to the conversation. How's it going, Tyler? Good, thank you. So, uh, yes, the goal wasn't there uh, at the end of the year, missing just short of the playoffs. But uh, just talking to some of the guys, it does feel like there's there's a lot more positivity after this season than, than maybe compared to last. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, we were very happy with, you know, the way the second half of the season went. It, you know, it kind of makes you sick when you think yeah. back of what, you know, could have been um, – you know, if we clean clean some things up at the start, uh, but uh, a lot of positive uh, to bring from from this year. I thought the room came together better than you know it has during my whole time here in, in Vancouver. So uh, you know, it, it's it's always tough. It's it's not uh, what we wanted. Um, we just have to we just have to remember uh, you know what made us so good the second half of the year and bring it into next year. You know, one uh, one theme has obviously been uh, special teams, how it really came around towards the end of the season, both power play and penalty kill. But the penalty kill was rough at the start of the year. Um, was there a philosophy change? I know some of the, the personnel changed a little bit in how it was deployed, but was there just a, a philosophy change once Bradshaw took over? Um, I mean... Uh... You know, I thought I definitely thought as the as the PK got better, it was you know we, you know, uh, in general got much more aggressive. Um, you know, it, it seemed like we were 
pressuring the puck a lot a lot quicker, a lot a lot more uh, when things started to turn around. And uh, it was, you know, there's, it's, you know, no secret that, you know, we really struggled on the PK for, you know, whatever reason to start the season. And uh, it it ultimately, you know, when you when you look at when you look at the year, it, you know, might be the reason why we're not, you know, we're not still playing right now. So it, it it's not a good feeling. And, you know, for how good it was at the, you know, end of the year, it makes you that much more sick about, you know, why, why it wasn't like that at the start. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one to swallow. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I really like the way we turn things around, you know, it shows, shows a lot of character in our group and, uh, we just have to, we just have to carry it over. The, the league is so close, you know, every team, you know, no matter what position they finish in, if, you know, the top of the league or the bottom, it, you know, anybody can beat anyone on any given night. And, uh, you know, we just have to make sure we come ready to play next 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 year. Well, you mentioned that with the run in the second half, the group kind of became closer than, than they've ever been. And it's kind of funny in team sports, you guys play at a different level, but when you're losing problems get created that don't exist right and when you're winning it masks everything and and especially with what happened last year and how tough the year was how important was it to get on a run and kind of feel what winning's like again and kind of get that feeling of okay you know what it's not always all bad and when we win there's actually something else that we can do and like, how important was it just to get back to winning for that to kind of come back oh you know very important you know like you like you just mentioned like winning you know it it gives uh you know individuals and the team a mindset of uh you know of of being a winner and you know it creates an identity and you know you you start building as a group and you develop that confidence and um you know it it just came on too late we we gave it our best run you know it felt like we were in game 7 for the last 2 months of the season and you know, it uh, it was just a little too late, and we just have to try and remember that that winning mindset and and make sure it starts right away, coming next season. At, at five on five this year, the team finishes top five overall in in goals against. Now Thatcher is is there to to make a ton of saves, but overall the team played better defensively, uh, even you know before the coaching change. Um, what was that development as a team defensively? Um. A certain level of buy-in for one uh you know uh, we weren't happy with our team defense last year and you know i think coming into this year it was a big uh you know topic of focus and uh we talked about it how it needed to be better and uh you know i thought all year um you know a few slips up slip ups here and there just like any any uh team would have but uh, i thought for the most part all year it was good and uh you know, it, it allows you to win hockey games. I, I thought it was, you know, a big reason why we won so many games uh, the second half. Uh, you know, even at the start, it, it kept us in games, uh, you know, where, you know, we we maybe lost because of special teams. But uh, you know, our 5-on-5 five f- five play this year was, you know, where it needed to be uh, to be a winning team. And you just have to, you know, take those good things and, and make sure we – you know, realize what made us good with it and, and bring it into next season. Well, and defensively, you played with Oliver ekman Larson a lot this season, and he was on the podium a bit earlier and talked about how much success you guys had as a pair, and, and he kind of really worked towards the end, too, and he got more productive. When, you know, it was, you guys had success early on right away, but as the season went on, 
it seemed like you guys got better offensively. Oliver Ekman Larson got involved a bit more. When did it click where it's like, okay, now he feels comfortable jumping in. You feel comfortable jumping in. Also knowing when you got to stay back, he's got to stay back. When did that really click? Because it seemed like towards the second half of the season, you guys became a bit more offensively engaged too, while still being good defensively. Um, I don't know if there was a spe- specific moment I can I can pinpoint to where it uh, clicked, uh, I guess, but. Uh... Yeah, I th- I really enjoyed playing with O this year. I I thought we had chemistry right right from the get go, uh, coming out of training camp, and uh, you know I think, you know it's his it's his first year on, on a new team, and I know what that's like. And um, you know, like you like you said, I I thought as a pair we just you know we just tried to keep growing uh, throughout the season, and it. I think it just got more and more comfortable, uh, both of us, and um, you know it was something that worked out really well. I, you know, I I really look forward to you know playing a lot more uh, a lot more hockey with him uh, going uh, in the next season, and uh, we just want to keep building as as a pair. And then you know uh, you know I'm sure a lot of things can change, and you you play with new guys too. So uh, no matter who you're playing with. Uh, you know, it's the same mindset, but, you know, I thought things went really well with O and I. Well, the new front office obviously brings a question mark of, of how they, they may want to put a, a stamp on the team and, and change some things around, tweak it as they as they see fit. But with the way that the season ended, um, do you feel like this, this core deserves a, another run at making the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I really like our core. Uh, you know, I they're going to do their job to, you know, I'm sure they're looking at ways to tweak the, you know, tweak our group to, you know, become that much better to get over the hump. And, um, you know, that's, you know, that's what they do 24 seven. So, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll see some changes this summer, you know, like any team does every year. And, um, it's still the same mindset coming in. You, you gotta, you gotta come in ready, come in in shape and, uh, make sure we're ready to go right from the get-go. Well, and especially with how a lot of guys played so much better in the second half of the season, and especially some of the young guys coming alive and finding their game. But, you know, one young guy who's good all year was Quinn Hughes on the back end. And, you know, Oliver kind of mentioned that, you know, with him being so prolific offensively, you and uh, and him take more of a defensive posture to allow that guy to, and, and that pair to be the offensive pair. And I think that says a lot about you guys as teammates to be able to take that role and, you know, being selfless in that regard. But also when you have a guy like Quinn Hughes, it makes it easier to be like, you know what, we'll let him take care of the offensive side, doesn't it? Yeah, Hughesy played great this year. Um, you know, I thought it was his best season since I've been here. Um, I guess that would be, uh, you know, his whole time in the league. So it, that would be his best season uh, in his career, I guess, <laughs> yeah. in, in my in my mind. So, uh you know, Hughesy's so good at you know his escapability, even coming out of the defensive end. And, you know, so so many people view him as a an offensive guy, but he does so many good things in the defensive end as well. Um, you know, the way the way he can break the puck out, the way he you know can escape uh, players using his skating, mm-hmm. and it's uh, he, you know he's a special player. I've I've really enjoyed playing with him. He's a really good kid, and. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy uh, going forward with them here. Well, and, and it's one of those things that I just noticed, and I'd love to get your perspective on it, but when you watch guys 
progress as time goes on, just taking better angles, having better reads on where to go and stuff like that, and just how much stronger he seems. He's not getting beat inside as much as he's able to hold his ground. Is that just kind of comfort stuff, or how much do you have to work on those types of things to get better with your reads and understanding which angles to take defensively? I have to work on it every year. Um, you know, you can tell, uh, you know, he's, what is this, his third year? He's progressing uh you know he's developing his game so well, and he's he's doing things, uh, you know, better every year, and that's what you want to see out of a young guy. Um, you know he skates so well, like you n- never see him get beat. Uh, you know he's he's really good at angling guys to where, you know, they think they have a step, and he just you know puts his body in front of him, takes puck. So, <laughs> um, you know he's he's a special player in this league. He's going to be for a long time. And, uh, you know, for him, I would just say, you know, keep working on developing your game, uh, taking it to the next step each year. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is just keep doing what he's doing. You're uh, you're one of the seasoned vets uh, on the team of a mostly young group. You hear Quinn uh, talk about what he wants to do to get better this summer. Um, what does is, what is the off season look like for you? What do you work on? A lot. I mean, you know, I there's not a – you know, there's not an age. Uh, you know, there's not a there's not a max age where you where you stop getting better. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's something that you know you got to stay hungry every year, no matter how old you are. And mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, it's working on all aspects of your game. You know, breaking the puck out. You know, watching video to see certain situations. Uh, if there's, you know, if a trend starts coming up in the video that you're watching. The, you know, make make your game easier or more efficient, then, you know, that's what you have to keep doing every season. And it's very important for each guy to come back in shape. Uh, you know, it, it's such a big part of the game now, you know, a lot of skating. So, uh, you know, the better shape you're in, the less you have to think about, you know, what you're doing on the ice. So uh, always looking to get better. you you got to stay hungry as a player to stay in the league. And, uh, you know, it, it's not going to stop for me. Uh, before I let you go, what you just mentioned, with even though you get a bit older, you still got to work in your game and keep trying to develop. And one guy who's been the epitome of that really is Luke Shen. I mean, you talk about a guy who's you know going to be 33 pretty soon, but he reinvented his game the past couple of years. And we had a chance to talk to to Adam Oates last week about the work he's put in with him the past couple of years. Uh, how inspirational is that when you see a guy like him who was a high draft pick, made a lot of money? Gets sent down to the minors, been told you're not going to play in the NHL again, and then works his ass off to get back here and keeps working to add to his game to be at a point where he's able to play top four minutes. That's yeah, awesome. Shenner uh, uh, and I go way back. Uh, they're Kelowna Rocket days. And uh, for us to reunite again uh, here in Van uh, this past season has been pretty awesome. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, you know, being around him for – you know, my our first season together in the NHL, it, you know, you you see pretty quick with Schenner how hard he works. He's one of the hardest working teammates I've ever had in, in my career. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned it, the last, the, the work he's put in the last, you know, his whole career, but the last three, four years to, you know, put himself in a position where he is now it's it's pretty special and you mentioned Adam Oates and I work with him too. So we have that in common and we allows us to talk about the game a lot together and uh you know you you feel like you're in it together trying to improve together develop on the ice so uh 
you know, I, I really enjoyed playing with Schenner. He's He's been an awesome teammate uh, to have around, especially for the young guys. Uh, still a little bit of uncertainty on the, the future of head coach Bruce Boudreaux. Do you want to see uh, Bruce back here next year? Yeah, Bruce Bruce was awesome. Um, you know, one of the, I've mentioned it before, but one of the things that uh, I really like about Bruce is how easy he is to talk to just in, walking around in the dressing room at breakfast, you know, out, outside of the game. Uh, very approachable, uh, probably the most approachable coach I've had. So, um, you know, I, I've really enjoyed his, his time here. And, uh, you know, whatever happens with him, I'm sure he's going to have a lot of talks. So I uh, uh, wish him all the best. Tyler, it's uh, it's been great chatting. Thanks for your time today, and uh, have a good off season. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, guys. There is uh, Tyler Myers joining us here uh, tableside at uh, – Rogers Arena for the season-ending player availabilities. Uh, we will take a break, and when we come back, uh, we missed uh, the start of the uh, Brock Besser, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, Connor Garland podium. We will run some of that for you coming up next on Canuck Central. Canuck Central special Sunday edition here at Rogers Arena. The Canucks end of season player availabilities have been ongoing. We uh, bring you uh, a conversation with Matthew Highmore uh, here on Canuck Central. Thanks for this, Matt. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, feels weird to kind of be cleaning out today, but uh, thanks for having me. It was uh, it was quite the finish to the year. I mean, the the push. Uh, you, you had the whole city believing. I'm sure uh, in the room, you, you guys just fought right down to the end. It was it was really a tale of two seasons. Yeah, uh, that second half. I mean, the adrenaline that our fans gave us. Um, you know, it was so exciting uh, to see the crowd get behind us like that. And um, man, we, we we pushed as far as we could. Um, really wanted to get in. Um, unfortunately came up a little bit short but you know uh we gave it all we had well and as far as being part of that because i mean you were with the blackhawks back in 2019 2020 and played in that postseason and part of some of those games later but what was it like to be on this team that got hot the way it did you kind of mentioned that it was pretty cool to be part of it but there was a stretch where you guys were maybe the hottest team in the national hockey league what was it like to kind of be part of that after how tough the start of the season was yeah uh honestly it was the word that comes to mind to me is is really cool. Um, I had never been on a, you know, a run like that with a team uh, in the NHL and to see everybody kind of gather around uh, collectively as a city uh, rally and um, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. You know, if, uh, if that's what's to come in the future, then um, it's going to be a lot of fun. You you found a little bit of chemistry there uh, with, with Yuho Lamico and, and Tyler Mott. Um, obviously, it changed a little bit after after the deadline, but uh, just, just what worked there in the bottom six? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've said it a few times, I think just keeping our game simple. Um, you know, we're not going to wow you with our skill or, um, you know, transition play, but keeping it simple, getting pucks in deep, uh, turning the other team over, and uh, ultimately being hard to play against will create offense for um for yourself so that's all we did it, it was really simple um you know just work work your tail off and um take your chances when you get them how do you keep that motor going as well as you do it just <laughs> seems like there's almost no let up every single time you're out there on the ice i don't good question i mean i think i was brought up that way um 
every shift, every practice, I just, I, I go out there and, um, you know, put everything into it. Um, you never know what five seconds in a game is, is going to matter. And, uh, I think that's why I'm always trying to stay switched on. Is it that puck pressure that it, it felt that really became a kind of a team identity thing? It really started to pick up as the season went on and you took away time and space from opponents. And I think that really helped the team overall. Yeah. Um, when we were skating, like you could, you could really notice a difference as a collective mm-hmm. group. Um, and on the four check, um, you know, retrieving pucks uh, off a off a save, even just chipping a puck out and putting pressure on uh, on the other team's regroup. It was um, evident when we were skating, we were playing our game, and um, it did become our identity. And uh, it, it's how we were successful. Well, and the other thing that was so impressive about the way you guys played, not only using your speed to create turnovers and getting on the forecheck, but using your speed to take away lanes in transition, take away odd man chances. And those things sometimes don't get kind of love or whatever, but how much of those types of things did the coaching staff get from you guys to show that trust? Because I noticed that, especially when you're on top of your game, odd man chance gets taken away because you're going to take the right lane away. You're, you're back checking with a lot of speed, knowing what areas to be in. What was that kind of like to develop into that type of player and effectiveness? Yeah, I think um, it was more of a group thing. I think collectively we knew that we had to be better um, tracking back into our zone to turn pucks over and ultimately not give other teams odd mans. Uh, early on, we probably gave them too many odd man rushes, rushes mm-hmm. two-on-ones, three-on-twos, even four-on-twos sometimes. So to create that habit of always taking five or three to five hard strides to get back um, – really put ourselves in a better spot. We ultimately had better sticks. Uh, we were in lanes. And uh, and then we could turn it around and go the other way. So, um, yeah, I mean, just that first couple steps really made a big difference for us. The penalty kill really took a, a big turn uh, midway through the season. And there was the, some of these themes on the penalty kill that we've been talking about, the puck pressure. Was there more of a philosophy change when Brad Shaw took over coaching it? Um, I think, I mean, we went through a couple different transitions this year, mm-hmm. uh, just trying to figure out what worked for us as a group. Um, ultimately, I think we just looked at ourselves in the room and said, listen, like we're good, we're a good enough penalty kill. Um, we've got to figure this thing out. Didn't really, um, you know, occur to us early on in the year, but, um, yeah, Bradshaw was great. He, um, uh, Really explained everything. We went over a lot of it, um, you know, for hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally got it figured out. And uh, I think, you know, after the All-Star break, we were a pretty good penalty kill. So um, something we're going to have to carry on. Well, and I'm sure it's a lot of hard work and habits and stuff, but also maybe when things are going against you, it's it's hard to do the right thing because it seemed like, you know, the seam pass would just kill you guys early on. You guys wouldn't have the sticks in the right areas. But as soon as, you know, that kind of changes towards the end, I mean, you guys, sticks always in the right spot. The seam pass wasn't coming through again. It seems like a small, obvious thing, but, like, what is it sometimes that is hard to have that turnaround? Yeah, I think the snowball at one point was, was getting pretty big, and it was tough to fix everything at once mm-hmm. and we felt like we had to we were we we're all trying to do too much and ultimately what helped us get it back on track was just doing everybody doing their own job uh realizing that you know if you take the lane away or the the seam lane the other guy will do his job and we'll be able to get that puck out because um, you're right we did get a lot of seams earlier on in the year but uh once we started 
to kind of all take our ownership of our part of the penalty kill, uh, we really started to find our groove and um, gain some confidence. And when you have confidence, uh, certainly helps. You've really found a, a role for yourself here in, in Vancouver. I mean, how do you see that growing from here? Yeah, I mean, this is where I want to be. Um, you know, I see that we have a great future. Um, you know, I, I want to ultimately be a part of that and, and help out any way I can. Uh, want to bring wins to the to the city and uh, to our organization. So I, I've really enjoyed my time here and uh, look forward to hopefully that continuing. This is a compliment, okay? You seem like a player who's very annoying to play against. Like, you get under the skin of the opponent. Is it just because of your relentlessness, or is it also because of what you might chirp? Because every other game, somebody's getting pissed off at you, it seems. Yeah, I think I've, as, as I've gotten older, I think that that's something that's kind of grown in my game. I like to be annoying. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't want to be somebody who the other team wants on the ice. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I've kind of taken that to heart over the last little while, and um, you know, whether it's getting in somebody's face or just being relentless on a puck, um, it becomes annoying and you don't want to play against that player. You know, we see that all the time. So I just try to do what I can and, um, you know, help with the team any way I can that on the, any given night. Is that a, a process in your career where you just kind of, you learn what makes you the best version of yourself? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think everybody goes through ups and downs and, uh, transitions um, you know every team has different parts to its team not yeah. everybody can score not everybody you know is a first pass defenseman not a, mm-hmm. you have to have different uh, roles and I just you know try to do whatever my team needs I just try to help out in any way I can and um, yeah I've tried to to, to grow my role and um, over the last little while and I feel like I did a decent job of that one player who has some similarities style-wise, a young guy, is, uh, is uh, Will Lockwood with mm-hmm. the physicality and the speed that he plays with. What do you kind of see the future being for a player like him as well that has a lot of similar traits to that, that you do? And and, and given how you, Mott, and Lamico had a lot of success, you, know, you can see a way of maybe Lockwood being a very Mott-like player on a line for you guys down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, I think we played five or six games here down the stretch mm-hmm. together and uh, really enjoyed that. I played with him a little bit in preseason, maybe a little bit last year too. So, um, yeah, he's got a bright future. Um, you know, he's another guy that likes to buzz around, get in people's faces, be annoying uh, type of player. But uh, I think he's also got some finish there too. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see it in practice. And uh, once he gets that first one out of the way, uh, uh, sky's the limit for him. What's the, uh, what's the off-season focus for you? Oh... You know, I, I have a lot of off-season focuses. I want to get my body right first and foremost. A um, couple bumps and bruises along the way this year, just kind of the, the way it goes sometimes. Um, but once that's right, um, I want to try to grow my offensive game. Um, obviously, you know, still stick to my identity, but uh, pick and choose my spots a little bit more, work uh, skill-wise, and um, continue to just o- grow my overall game and uh, – Hopefully we'll we'll see that uh, pay off at some point. Yeah, because you're getting lots of chances, so it's it's kind of like on the on the finishing side of things a little bit, and and also trying to create as a playmaker too off the wing a little. Yeah, I think so. Um, I do feel like I get a decent amount of chances. Um, sometimes it's a little bit of uh, 
puck luck. Sometimes it's not. Um, we got to work for it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. They don't they don't come easy in this league. Yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, sometimes identifying sit- certain situations that I can take advantage of. Um, that's something that I've really focused on in the last year and a half. So um, we'll try and get that uh, uh, better over the summer and uh, look forward to all the hard work being put in. Back out east to Halifax for the off season. Yeah, back out east. Um, I'm biased. I love it. I love Vancouver. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, but there's no place like home. So, yeah, um, yeah a, little, a couple weeks off and uh, back to work. That's awesome. Uh, thanks so much for your time here, Matt, and uh, we'll see you next year. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Awesome stuff. Uh, there is uh, Matthew Highmore joining us here for uh, an end-of-season chat uh, as uh, the Canucks wrap up their year with some end-of-season player availabilities. And, uh, well, we've heard from a lot of different players today. We had some exclusive interviews, that one with Matthew Highmore, Tyler Myers dropped by earlier, and uh, Bo Horvat. Before that, uh, on the podcast, you'll be able to hear their entire um, media availabilities as well. But a few takeaways here, Sad, as uh, we wrap things up from Rogers Arena. Yeah, and, and first off on Matthew Highmore, and you know, we were kind of talking about who, who do we get in, and it's always hard uh, afterwards when players do their end-of-year availability, yep. so many requests and stuff like that. But one guy we wanted to talk to was Matthew Highmore, and you can tell why. Yep. You know, it's, He's a guy that obviously... Uh, cares a lot and has has gone through a lot to get to this point. But really interesting getting into some of the nitty gritty about you know how he's effective playing the role he he's played and also how the PK developed over the year. And that's one of the you know cool nerdy things I love at the end of the year where guys will sit down and kind of and you know peel back the curtain a little bit and tell you about you know how they got better and the things they were focusing on. And, and I thought that was really revealing in our discussion with Matthew Highmore. Yeah, it's always uh, interesting to hear um, what players can do. Even even Meyer saying like. Like, hey, I may not be a young pup anymore, but I could still work yeah. on things in the off season. And he revealed he's also working with, with Adam Oates, a skills coach who uh, uh, Luke Shen attributes to helping him get back to the NHL. And those are always things that, that you just don't find. You don't have the time to, to speak uh, with players as much uh, on those types of things. But, you know, I know I took some flack for saying this with, with Highmore, but the hard-to-play-against aspect you know, there's there's different ways to be hard to play against. Are you hard to play against because you're impossible to stop from scoring <laughs> almost on every shift, right? Um, yes, that's that's hard to play against. But hard to play against for for Matthew Highmore is is getting in your opponent's faces yeah. and taking away their time and space, doing things that create havoc for the opponent. Um, and you know, when he came back into the lineup. Uh, I believe it was that Dallas game. You could just see it immediately how it added an element to the Canucks' bottom six that they were sorely missing. Speed. They don't have enough speed to begin with. Yeah. And then, you, you know, you have a guy like him who's able to play. And, and, you know, for me, like, Matthew Highmore is part of the solution. Yeah. You know, I bring him back next season, see how it all goes. But he's a guy, cheap deal. He yeah. can play minutes for you. He's good on the PK. He can bring some speed for you. And maybe he is able to take another step. But, you know, you look at a guy like Tyler Mott, and, you know, Matthew mentioned that he wants to be better finishing because he does get a lot of chances. Remember Mott initially, too, getting a yeah. lot of chances, didn't finish them. And then he got to a point where he's scoring 10, 12 goals per year in, in that type of checking role. And if you're able to get that type of production from a guy who's a speedster on your bottom six or really on your fourth line, 
you'll take that any day. And this year, you know, he had five goals in 46 games, 12 points. Nothing eye-popping, but if he's able to get double-digit goals, 20-some points, playing on a fourth-line role on the PK with some speed and tenacity and being annoying to play against, you know, those are not insignificant players. Yeah, and uh, some some really revealing words for, for Will Lockwood as well. Really thinks there's, there's yep. more finish to his game and could definitely see that being a uh, potential fourth line again for the Canucks next year and what will be a busy off season. Uh, a couple of things to wrap up as well. Bo Horvat, uh, injury-wise, talked about uh, broken tibia six to eight weeks. Uh, he has uh, started to walk on it a little bit, uh, but uh, that is kind of as we spoke about when the injury happens at uh, the two-week timeline was always very optimistic, and uh, it's more of a six- to eight-week thing for Bo Horvat. Yeah, and that's you know one of the things we had heard and leading into the last week of the season. I'm like, even if the Canucks somehow make the playoffs, I don't expect to see Bo Horvat. Uh, uh, you know, at least in the first round, it's going to take a little bit longer. And you know, it's it is going to be a couple month thing here. Now he has plenty of time to get ready for training camp, but he also mentioned it's not going to be just about getting healthy. Yeah, it's also going to be about adding to your game. So get healthy as soon as you can, then use the next couple of months to add to your game. Because that was also a big part of the discussions here from a lot of players. And yeah, they all the same thing after a season, but it was really hammered home that each guy has a lot to work on still. They're happy with how the season ended, but if you really want to be a better team next year, it starts with that preparation this offseason. As for Thatcher Demko, uh, he mentioned that his injury happened about a month ago, and he played through it, even though uh, he knew that there was something up, as he put it, but he tried to play through it, uh, ultimately, he couldn't through the end of the season. He and the medical staff decided to shut it down. And no decision just yet on whether or not he will need surgery. So that was the update from Thatcher Demko. Tanner Pearson uh, had uh, his thumb in a splint. But uh, as Bruce Boudreau had mentioned last week, would have been likely to play if the Canucks uh, were really fighting through games one, 81 and 82. So uh, one final takeaway for me, um, asked it to Bo Horvat and Tyler Myers, the want to keep Bruce Boudreaux around. And while we know that is likely moving in a positive direction, Sat, it's not yet done. So there is still a little bit of uncertainty, but... Uh, certainly the players, you know, Myers talked about Brudrow bringing the most approachable head coach he's ever had in his career. That's, uh, you know, Paul Maurice, you know, Myers has, has had some, some pretty big name coaches. That, that was a really interesting thought, but it kind of goes into this idea of the offseason and players really felt like they found something and they don't necessarily want to see any kind of significant change with what they've got here in Vancouver. Well, the players don't, of course, because they, yeah. you know, they want to come back with the same group. They want Boudreaux back. And you always understand that, especially guys who have friendships. But at the same time, you heard Myers mention, you know, management has to do its job, and that is tweaking the roster and making it better. And they realize that is going to happen. I think what they're trying to say more than anything is that believe in us. Yeah. We don't have to blow it all up. Don't have to get rid of everybody. We understand it's a business, that not everybody's going to be back. Changes always happen. But... 
let's not tear this all down and, and let's let's give this another go here. And ultimately, when we look at all their core players, it'll be tough to bring every single one of them back, especially when you have Besser, Miller, and Horvat all negotiating contracts, Besser being RFA, the other guys, I mean, Horvat and Miller having a year left on their deals. Just those negotiations can lead to somebody not coming back if the numbers don't kind of match up. So there is going to be change. I think the players understand there will be. It's just let's not tear this all down and let's see if we can turn this around quickly in a year or two and then maybe we don't have to take this massive step back. And if you do take a bit of a sideways step this season and you improve next year and give yourself some flexibility beyond that, then maybe these guys will be right. And so we can see next year, it's interesting because I think they're going to make moves. They are going to be aggressive, but it could be uh, to some degree a hedge year too. Yeah. Where you make a bunch of moves, but then you give yourself a chance to see what happens next year. And then after that, you may have another big decision to make. Yeah, that would uh, that would be fascinating. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Um, obviously, things will quiet down during the playoffs, as the NHL prefers the focus to be on the NHL playoffs during that period. Yeah, and with... with uh, with Bruce Boudreaux, things have been trending in the right direction. I believe, and I've been saying this, they're going to get something done here with Boudreaux, and it could have been done this weekend, maybe even by the time Boudreaux meets with the media on Monday. If not, it'll be done pretty soon. Like I, I'm not anticipating there being a last-minute you know, yeah. change of heart and all of a sudden Boudreaux's not coming back. It's just a matter of when do you put pen to paper on a new deal and – you know, I'd guess that's going to be within a week or so, but we'll see. Uh, so as we are expecting, just to tee up tomorrow, we're expecting to hear from Bruce Boudreaux whether or not there is a contract extension in place or some clarity on that. Uh, management, so Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford, likely to meet with the media on Tuesday. Yeah. And, of course, we will uh, hope to have some exclusive interviews to add to those conversations as well. Absolutely. We look forward to that. The next couple of days we'll have uh, the coach. We'll hear from the coach. We'll hear from the GM. We'll get a lot of maybe some insight into what could happen this offseason or what the plan is and what the evaluation of the final you know, few games under Boudreau was like. One other thing we should mention here, though, before we get out is Thatcher Demko. Yeah, and the fact that he uh, has been dealing with—he had been dealing with an injury for about a month. Yeah. So towards the end, when we saw his game not be on at its best, and we wondered if fatigue was a was a factor, and certainly could have been too, in addition to him being injured. But mentions he de- dealt with an ail- ailment, has not yet decided if they will g- undergo surgery to fix it or not. But clearly, when we looked at. Um, Demko's game down the stretch when he wasn't quite as good, it seems to have a pretty good explanation. Yeah, you, you could tell he wasn't at 100%. Uh, so we will uh, bring back more Canuck Central tomorrow. Obviously, we're on at 4 o'clock. Be tuning in for that, and you'll hear from Bruce Boudreaux at some point as well as he meets with the media. Subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss any of our exclusive interviews, inside info, or during the Canuck season, any of our post-game shows. They all go to the Canucks Central podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Subscribe, leave a review. You know we appreciate it. Thank you for listening on this Sunday special edition.